One member of the Mariners 2022 bullpen, the playoff run team is gone and another one is speaking out about the team and the moves they didn't make. Plus, we're also going to talk about the Arizona Fall League in this episode of the Hit It Here podcast, episode 32, where we're also going to dive into a maybe disappointing offseason for the Seattle Mariners. But first, Joe, how's it going? Great. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little sad by the departure of Penn Murphy from the Seattle Mariners. It's one of those situations where he did get injured last year. We all we all are aware of that. And it was one that we had figured, you know, when he comes back, it's going to be a great addition back to the bullpen. But Colton, what where where does this move like why does this move happen? Why is he no longer a Seattle Mariner? Yeah, so with the um coming end of the World Series, I think Sunday is the day that all the teams have to have their 40-man rosters set for the upcoming offseason. And Penn Murphy, a guy who was on the 60-day injured list, was, of course, not technically on the roster. He would have had to have been added back to the 40-man roster. And, well, the 40-man roster is full. So the Mariners opted to send him through waivers, take him off the 40-man roster, hoping that he would not get claimed while being injured. And I think he would have been back early next year, no? Not, early, not early next year. It would have Sometime been, next year. It would have been, no, he's, he's not, he, I don't think he's pitching in 2024. Oh, really? He's going to be out like all next year until, oh, okay. until like the, the probably at least the very end at the earliest. So anyways, he was claimed off waivers by the New York Mets. So he will spend all of the 2024 season with them basically on their injured list. I think, I mean, he'd has to, he has to go onto their 40 man roster. I'm not sure if they made a corresponding move, whatever. I don't care. It's the Mets. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it sucks. Penn Murphy, of course, was a very big part of that 2022 bullpen. And I think that he figured to be a big part of the future Mariners bullpen. Murphy was a bit on the older side. He was, I think, 28 or 29 already. He's a guy who I liked a lot coming up in, speaking of which, the Arizona Fall League. I remember that was kind of his big claim to fame with the Mariners in 2021, I think. During the offseason 2021, he was in the Arizona Fall League tearing it up. So, yeah, it sucks to see Penn Murphy go, but there are guys on the 40-man roster the Mariners didn't feel like they wanted to get rid of. They felt like Penn Murphy was more expendable, and I get that with how good their bullpen is and how good they are at churning these guys out. So it does suck. I mean, Penn Murphy, again, was very good in 2022, very good in the start of 2023. Sucks to see him go, but I don't know. How do you feel about the move? It's it's one of those things that we can we can replace him, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to be very cut and dry. It's not a situation that you want to see because, again, you're saying very good pitcher, but you're also laying to the fact that he is 29 right now. He's going to be not going to be pitching until he's 30. So, you know, as far as relievers go, it is a piece that you can probably let go of and replace in-house or via other means. My, I guess, not like question, but just, I guess, confusion surrounding the roster move is he was already on the 60 day il right and so he couldn't like he had to be taken off of the fort he wasn't already on the 40 man because of that so can he not stay on the 60 day il i don't think you can stay on it no i think that you have to come off of it for the offseason don't quote me on that i don't know that for sure but i believe that you have to come off of it and there were some other moves that mariners made keep talking i'm gonna look them up here well i can tell you that easton mcgee was retained adam aller was optioned to triple a and Luis trends was also optioned to triple a those are the other corresponding moves congratulations i'm smarter than you no my name's joe i had it pulled up already cool i didn't have it pulled up pulled from memory baby anyways um yeah i think those three moves make sense terence catching depth and i mean catching i'm gonna put quotes around catching yeah <laughs> um adam aller is a guy that at the end of last year when we were concerned about woos innings and whether or not like bryce miller like we had no idea as far as how the Mariners were going to look to try and 
control their young pitchers innings limits essentially adam Aller was a guy in tacoma that could have been an option so again it's it's veteran starting pitching depth he is tommy malone in 2024 essentially yeah. and easton mcgee it's in that same way with pen murphy he's not going to pitch until 2025 probably end of 2024 if anything i saw one reply i can't remember who said it but why not try and dfa evan white take him off your 40 men there because no one's going to take his contract. He's he's set to earn $7 million, I think, this year, right? And so yeah, I don't know right. why. I mean, to me, maybe it's not. I don't know. There's, there's probably a lot of nuance that I don't understand. But from a baseball perspective, no one's going to take the contract $7 million for a first baseman that has not played legitimate innings in two and a half years, right? Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that, why they don't want to do it. And I again, I don't know what all goes into it. Like if you're taking off the 40 man, like maybe the Mariners are keeping him on the 40 man because he's a good person. Sure. Yeah. Maybe it's to help like there's medical benefits and whatnot. Yeah. And like they knew that Penn Murphy would have an opportunity elsewhere where maybe by 2025 when he's ready to pitch again, he didn't really factor into the bullpen because you've got a lot of pieces under club control until then anyways. And it's just one of the situations where maybe it was just time for him to like time to move on in a way mm-hmm. and give him a fresh start somewhere else. Not to say that it, they ended on bad terms or anything. He was very thankful on social media talking about like, thank you to the fans. Thank you to the Mariners. Let's get started in New York. So it is just one of those situations of new scenery. Yeah. And speaking of new scenery, a guy that we've talked about a lot lately and a guy who at the time you're watching this may have just lost the world series. I don't know. Um, but Paul Seawald had some comments in an interview with Larry Stone which I was it one of Larry's last interviews because I know he just retired. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, I don't know if it was his parting gift, but it was posted on the thirtieth, so two oh, days okay. ago. Recent, recent. Very recent. Yeah, two days ago, as of recording. So, yeah. so three days from you guys are hearing this. But Larry Stone, you know, one of the greatest Mariners beat writers ever, and he's been around forever. Love Larry Stone. He had an interview with Paul Seawald talking about you know his comments on the Chris Rose show kind of how things went with the Mariners. you want to read those comments really quick, Joe? For me, the first comment that stood out in this article and interview from Larry Stone is talking about how Seawald is not part of like Mariners organization anymore. And obviously, duh, he's a Diamondbacks player now. But talking about, Larry asked him about his thoughts on how the season ended for the Mariners in 2023. And quote, Seawald said, not my team. It's not my team. Some of those guys are some of my best friends. He goes on to say that whatever happens in Seattle is irrelevant to my career now, which felt like upon reading it, a little blunt, if I'm being honest, but that is, you know, fact of the matter. He is a diamondback. He plays for Arizona. Those are like the guys that he is going to war with every day now. And speaking of how he got brought into this subject is talking about his role for the 2022 Mariners. I mean, obviously he was pitching for the 2023 Mariners, but the frustrations that I think everybody has been echoing for a while now since we have not been in the playoffs and we're watching our former closer pitch in the World Series is that they felt that they didn't do enough in the offseason and that Jerry and Co. basically have their work cut out for them. That they have to try and figure out how to make the Mariners better, Seawald said in a quote to Larry Stone. And he also goes on to say, I feel like we could have gotten better than we did, speaking about the 2022-2023 offseason. I understand the moves that they made. It's just they didn't work out and it was frustrating. That I don't know if there's a better way to word that because, you know, you understand the moves in principle. You understand bringing in a guy like Colton Wong, a veteran presence who he's not going to light up the page, but he is a, you know, career like 
a little bit above league average bat, roughly, and decent-ish defender in his heyday. Obviously, he slowed down a bit. We figured Perry Hill would work with like work with him to get him closer to his glory days again, and it just didn't work out. AJ Pollock felt like a sound platoon bat, but now looking back, those don't work. If you try and run it back again this offseason with similar, I guess, plan of attack, it's not going to be pretty. And the frustrations that Seawald is speaking about in this column from Larry Stone, I think it's what we're all feeling. And if it happens again, it's just going to get amplified. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about a disappointing offseason, what it would look like uh, a little bit later on here in the podcast. But it's kind of talking about what Seawald said. Yeah, I mean, we, we've hindsight's 2020, and Seawald knows that. We all know that. We've talked about it a million times. No one knew Colton Wong was going to be the worst second baseman in all of baseball, possibly all of history. Um, <laughs> nobody knew that AJ Pollock was going to be nothing, a big old nothing burger. So it's like, in principle, those moves were fine, but you can't go into this offseason and say, okay, we're going to add one everyday bat last year, which was Teoscar Hernandez, mm-hmm. and then we're, we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, add a fringe like league average slightly above league average second baseman and a platoon outfielder and call it a day you can't you can't go into this offseason saying that you have to go out into this offseason saying we're going to make some major upgrades you need in my opinion to add two if not three everyday players including a right fielder slash left a corner outfielder um you know i still think you need to add someone at second base i don't know who that's going to be and then a somebody that can play first base when Ty France either, you know, they can kind of move around the infield first and third base. A guy who can hit for power, a guy that provides length to your lineup. I think that those are the three biggest needs this offseason, without a doubt. Of course, backup catcher. I think yeah. we all agree they should just bring back Tom Murphy. Like that is, I don't know if Tom Murphy's going to get an everyday job somewhere. I'm sure he probably could. Yeah, Maybe, I think health concerns but... would be too much for people to for a team to warrant giving him a contract that would or maybe like the promise in a contract that you're going to be the everyday guy. And it's just like he hasn't been healthy. So how can you really justify that means? And I don't know. I agree that a lot of the positions you're talking about are things we definitely need to address. And I think what's interesting about, I guess, the nuance of Seawald's comments is that it does feel gauged to Jerry a little bit. Jerry and co. However, that is just because they're the face. They are the face of that front office, whereas it's more of an ownership problem that probably isn't allowing the creative control, in a way, for Jerry and Justin to go out and do what they feel is proper and just for this team. I think that the comments, I understand the moves that they made. Do you think that they didn't try, they wouldn't have tried to go out and get other pieces, like bigger pieces than an AJ Pollock in free agency? I would, I would hope that that plan wasn't you know plan a i would have hoped that's probably like okay we're only given certain amount of money these are the guys in that tax bracket essentially what we can afford this is now like plan b i i would have had to have hoped and of course there's no way to fully know that process felt sound things just didn't work out yeah and i think that's my biggest takeaway from last year is we all agreed i i was of the feeling as the season came around last year that okay this team, if they if they all build off what they did the year before, this is going to be a great team. And I still don't disagree with that sentiment. I think that, again, if Gino just would have been the guy that he was in 2022, Ty France would have been the guy that he was in 2022, this is a playoff team. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Like, they are ALCS bound. Like, mm-hmm. that that team, even if Colton, like, if all of these guys just had played to their career norms, easy. And then, you know, we saw the step from Julio. We saw the step from J.P. Crawford. Right, but they didn't. 
And, you know, that's baseball. That's the way it goes. The problem, in my opinion, was, we, I've talked a lot about this, the floor of the Seattle Mariners was too low. Yeah. They didn't raise the floor because the the tertiary pieces, like the, I mean, A.J. Pollock, for example, but the the bench, when you have Sam Haggerty and Tommy LaStella to start the year, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. Not, not adding Colton Wong, not adding A.J. Pollock. In process and on paper, those looked like great moves. Hindsight, obviously, we could we look at them completely differently. But those moves specifically were fine in a vacuum until you look at the bench where, oh, who's going to play first base if Ty France gets hurt? Oh, well, it was going to be Tommy LaStella, but Tommy LaStella's hurt. Yeah. yeah. Sam Haggerty. Ugh, ugh, don't even get me started. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that the problem was they didn't have a solid foundation for if something went wrong. They said, if this is our plan... It has to go right if this is going to go any way that we expect it to. If something goes wrong, we're screwed. And that's exactly what happened. What could have been done? And, like, I don't think – I'm not asking you – that's more of, like, a rhetorical question. But mm-hmm. I guess it's more of, like, a framing for this offseason what they can do to prevent that going to next – like, going into next year. And for me, the big thing is just, like, John Stanton to open up his pocketbook to let them spend a bit more money than they had been allowed to in the past. And I understand, you know, they – went out and signed Robbie Ray. They extended Luis Castillo. They gave Julio a gigantic check with, you know, insert. Um, zeros. Yeah. Like just write whatever you want here. And if those were off season moves to say that contract, instead of given to Julio was given to Shohei Otani, it's just, it's a very different dialogue, right? But it's about bringing people in and getting people to buy into, Hey, this team's good. And it feels like they're losing a lot of the, I want to say control because that's not the right word, but they're losing a lot of the clubhouse. It seems like whether it's front office or if it's the ownership, they're just, they're losing the, the team and they're slow. They're losing the fans as well. I feel like the fans have already, the majority of the fan base has very much so turned on their head very quickly this offseason, faster than I'd seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we got the taste, you know, we got the taste of, of a playoff team for the first time in 20 years. And it felt like the beginning of something really, really special. And it still is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It, it still is the beginning of something very special. But 2023 was a step back for the Seattle Mariners. There's no other way of looking at it. I mean, I know Jerry Depoto says, oh, no, we took a step forward. No, you didn't. You didn't. You lost more games. You didn't make the playoffs. You didn't take a step forward. It's yeah. a team sport. Mm-hmm. So, but, so, so here's my thing. And this may be, have nothing to do with what we're talking about. John Stanton. I will rag on the guy every single day of my life. <laughs> okay. But, but. The fact is, and they kind of have to do this, but Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander go out there and say, we have the money to spend. And if that's what they're telling us, and that's what John Stanton's telling us, even if it's not true, and we all know it's not true, John Stanton's not giving them the money, but that's what they're saying, they're bringing it on themselves. They yeah. bring all the criticism to themselves. They take the arrows because they have to. They they, they can't say, oh no, John's not giving us the money because then yeah. they're fired. Yeah. Oh, so, but because that's what they're saying, Cool then it's your problem for not bringing in the right pieces. Like, that that's the way it is. And to be fair, they they tried to ch- sign Trevor Story years ago. Glad they didn't. But they tried to sign Trevor Story years ago. I think they tried to sign, like, Marcus Simeon. They tried to fix these problems, yeah. and the guys didn't want to come here. So the money was there. Specific, but it, the fact of the matter is John Stanton needs to now fork out the money, and he needs to go out and be able to be willing to overpay a little bit because guys, frankly, free agents don't want to come here. Why would they? 
with all the players talking out about the front office, the all the other problems that are in Seattle, including not making the playoffs, there's not a history here of being a good baseball team. Yeah. The travel is terrible. They need a reason to want to come here. And I think that that reason may need to be more money. But ultimately, I think this is why Jerry and Justin feel like they have to make so many trades mm-hmm. is because the money isn't going to be there to coax these guys into dealing with the negative things that come with being a Seattle Mariner. Some positives though about the Mariners, you know, let's turn the table here a little bit. Arizona Fall League, some guys that could raise the floor for the team in 2024, not a right away, more probably like a early summer, end of summer call up for some of them, but Colton, Tyler Locklear, Ryan Bliss, they've been phenomenal in the Fall League. What are you like what 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 is that telling you about these players? Absolutely nothing. It's the Arizona Fall League, but no, that's not true. I think this is actually really cool. I love being able to see these guys out there raking. Let me pull up their stats really quick. It's gonna look like there's a flashbang on my face. So I have Ryan Bliss's stats here. So far in 14 games, he's hitting 280, 438, 300. He uh hasn't hit a home run yet, but he's stolen nine bags in 14 games. Yeah, nice. Ryan Bliss is a guy over there. He's looked really good. Tyler Locklear in the Arizona Fall League has played in 16 games. He has three home runs, 16 RBI. He's hitting 302, 395, 524 with a 919 OPS. So that's a guy. And then finally, Harry Ford, who has struggled a little bit. He's only played in six games. Uh, is hitting 200, 433, 700, also with three home runs and 11 RBI with a 1.133 OPS. Yeah, limited opportunities there for Harry, but like, again, the pops there, we've all seen it. We know he did the same thing in the WBC. So I think for him, it's just going to be working on like the more like contact skills. But in six games, it's more experience and it's more experience than he would have had otherwise, right? So even if it's not the best production, I'm not overly upset about the 200 batting average right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and guys, I mean, these are two of the three guys are guys you could see in 2024, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Locklear and Bliss can both see time in 2024. I would, so we've talked a lot, people have talked a lot about, oh, we can't get a second baseman because Bliss is going to be the second baseman. Cool, but don't bank on it. Let mm-hmm. that be a fallback plan. Let let there be a bridge to that gap. Or make sure you make the team better around that so you don't have to rely so much on Ryan Bliss. Tyler Locklear is a guy we've talked about a lot who would be taking over at first base when Ty France leaves, whether that be in a trade or what have you. I think his contract's up after 2025. Ty France is a free agent in 2026. Okay, so after 2025. Got it. Yeah. So, like, Tyler Locklear is a guy that you could be looking at as well. These are guys who will probably make their way through the minors this year. I would not be shocked to see them moving quickly. Harry Ford, I love the guy. I Like, this guy is a gamer. <laughs> Joe, he is a catcher. He played in the WBC. He played a full season. Now he's playing in the fall league. Yeah. He doesn't stop. Mm -mm. Cannot stop. Won't stop. My thing with him is there is this fascination with him as a player because he was the first batter drafted after a flurry of pitchers in in terms of top prospects for the Mariners. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's at a, you know, a premium position like catcher where we've got Cal Raleigh, but we've had some issues with our backups in the past. So having him come up quickly, be the backup catcher, maybe even there's a lot of talk about him transitioning out of catcher in terms of being a more athletic, because he's a super athletic guy. He's a freak athlete being in the field. I'm not sold on him transitioning away from catching because of how little depth we have. I think Mm -hmm. it'd be, it would be a poor decision on the Mariners part unless they go out and like somehow bring in another catcher that's relative, not want to say like young, but I don't know someone that's healthy, someone that can be there to allow Harry Ford to not have to be the catcher. But yeah, there's a lot of fascination with him playing ball next year, but in the, out of those three guys, I would say 
earliest bliss in like may earliest for locklear probably like post all-star break like and mm-hmm. like early August, Harry Ford, I, I really don't see it next year for him. I think he's, no, he's probably, he shouldn't be. He's probably starting out again next year in Everett and then moving up to Arkansas for the second half of the year. If I had to take a guess. Yeah. So I'm looking at his numbers in Everett and I haven't actually taken a look at them. Harry Ford might be the most elite on base guy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. This dude sees the Z. He D's the Z. Dominates. 103 walks to 109 strikeouts. 410 OBP. It's solid. It's very, very good. So, like, his numbers, they've talked a lot about him being able to play, like, third base. I think is one of the main things for him. Yeah. You know, 15 home runs, 67 RBI, 24 stolen bags, 103 walks, 109 strikeouts, a 257, 410, 430 uh, slash line with an 841 OPS in 118 games in 2023 at with Everett. Um, those numbers don't necessarily scream third base. You know what I mean? You're looking for a lot of power out of a third baseman. Usually typically. Um, yeah. And I mean, 15 home runs in the minor leagues. Sure. Um, obviously that who knows how that translates to the major league level. Put him at second base. <laughs> He'd be a great <laughs> second baseman offensively. No, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that statement either though, is if you haven't found the solution and he is, at, I mean, he's athletic enough to play third base. He's probably athletic enough to play second base. So you can probably do it at that just point. Pulling all this out of our ass. Though, yeah. Guys, just but so at, at that point, then you're blocking Cole Young, Cole Emerson. So yeah, true. It is one of those situations though, where I'd say pump, like people pump the brakes a little bit on Harry Ford. Give him a Please. little bit more time. The guy that you want to maybe make his debut next year is actually Cole Young. If second base still hasn't been figured out yet. Bliss doesn't work out. Caballero doesn't improve at any point. Rojas is like league average of what he's been for the majority of his career. And Cole Young's tearing it up through Arkansas because he's probably going to start there next year because he did very well in Everett. Cole Young's the guy you want in September. Can I make a um a statement that's going to have people like that meme from Tangled where all the swords are pointing at him? Yeah. If Cole Young or Harry Ford see at-bats at the major league level next year it is a failure on the Mariners front office I don't think that's that crazy of a take I in principle I understand what you're saying is that they did not do enough to talk about your biggest point as in raising the floor of this team so you don't need these prospects who are developing well developing quickly but you don't need them to make an impact like other players like you know, that you could have brought in. And there's obviously outliers to, situ- to this situation, like Evan Carter for the Rangers. I think that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. But who's to say that Cole Young couldn't come up and do that same exact thing? Right. We will never know. But if we go into this, like, 2024 and we see a batch of them, that's, sure, a disappointing offseason. But first, Joe, before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the numbers that Harry Ford and uh, Cole Young will wear coming up. Cole Young will wear number 13, and Harry Ford will wear number 3. He'd take it from J.P. Crawford. Because you know who wore those before? Dustin Ackley and Mike Zanino. All right. Both of them brought up way too early, were really good in the minor leagues, and ended up being busts. That's all I can think about when I think about Cole Young and and uh Harry Ford coming up next year. All right. Just they're they're gonna they're they're gonna stunt their growth. Uh, That's right. It's just gonna end badly. I don't know why you have to take their numbers and like immortalize <laughs> them as these like you know, these retire mar- baby. Yeah, like the numbers are just like the martyrs for bad, bad prospect stunting. Anyway, disappointing offseason for the Seattle Mariners, Joe. Uh, Zach Left, courtesy of Zach Left over on Twitter, posted this meme that Joe is definitely putting on screen in the editing process. Talking about check your kids' candy. I just found this. I just found a disappointing Mariners offseason in my kids' candy. Joe, who are those players? So I didn't know the guy in the center right away. 
that was the one I I definitely did not know. But far right, Javi Baez. Um, please God, no. It that's just a mess. That would be a mess to even try and deal with the baggage that Javi Baez would bring. Maybe like three years ago. Far left. Oh, maybe it's oh my right. Maybe it's your left. I'm sorry, guys. And audio listeners, you have no idea what's going on right now. Adalberto <laughs> Mondesi is on the other side, flanking the edge here. Another middle infielder guy that would just be another Dylan Moore, Josh Rojas, probably less than them, if I'm being honest. Not no Astro. digs, no digs to Mondesi because he's very fast, like you're saying. But those two guys as the bats you're bringing in. Who's playing in the outfield at that point? And then smack dab in the middle. Colton, you had to help me with that one. Who is it? Yeah, that, that's left-handed pitcher Brad Hand, which, you know, I guess. So this is the one that I'm actually the most okay with of the three. Yeah, you I know mean, what if I you mean? bring him in on like a cheap contract, sure. And then if it doesn't work out, you trade him to the Mets like they did with Trevor Gott. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but, like, yeah, the other two are the bigger problem, for sure. Yeah, Brad, Brad Hand was, like, really good a few years ago. I mean, so was Mondesi and so was Toppy Baez. But... Brad Hand's the guy where if he sucks, he sucks. Whatever. Who cares? But if you if your bats are Javi Baez and Alberto Mondesi, yeah, nope. Nope. That's a terrible offseason. I think looking at these guys, it kind of speaks to the larger issue that we all have right now as Mariners fans is looking at this offseason, we're all puckered, man. We're worried mm-hmm. that this is going to be another offseason like last year where we go into 2024 and we have Walton Kong at second base and J.A. Pollock in left field. All right. That was really good. Thank you so much. It was. I'm very creative. Yeah. An um, offseason this year that ends up with what Zach left posted, which unfortunately I can see happening. Yeah. Pull some like, shenanigans. Yeah, I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. It, that is the end. All. Like, that's it. That the Jerry's fired. Justin's fired. Scott's fired. It, you're cleaning house. At that what point. if that if team so- wins 110 games, though? I will get a tattoo of John Stanton's face on my butt. There you go. No further questions. So yeah, if that was the Mariners offseason, I'd be really disappointed. But you know what wouldn't make me disappointed? Is if the Mariners offseason looks something like this video on the screen. I'll be sure to check that one out. I appreciate you guys watching this one. And go Mariners.